Welcome to the first episode of the Comic Stew Podcast. My name is Ray. Before I get started on anything, I'd like to tell you that this is my first time podcasting. I did a lot of phone support in, in the past, so I'm pretty comfortable talking, but this is more like public speaking, so it makes me a little uncomfortable. But it's something I've wanted to do for a long time and finally plucked up the courage to actually do it. So please be patient with me. My initial podcasts are going to be a little bit rough. I've also got a cat who likes to sit on my lap the whole time. So occasionally you might hear me yowl in pain as he bites me or claws at my hands. His name's Mike. You're going to see a lot and probably hear a lot of Mike because he tends to be a noisy fellow. But, you know, that's just the way that it is. So... Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of your support. Let's get into it. Today we're going to be talking about John Constantine. Constantine is an anti-hero. He first appeared in the pages of the Vertigo comic, The Saga of Swamp Thing, number 37. He was created by Alan Moore, Rick Veach, Steve Bissett, John Tottleben, Jamie Delano, and John Ridgway. He also serves as the lead character of his own book, Hellblazer. He starred in Constantine, Constantine the Hellblazer, and the Hellblazer. John is a really interesting guy. He's a very non-traditional type hero, uh, even for anti-heroes. Um, John is pretty much a bad luck magnet, especially if you're one of his friends. There's a really good chance that if you're one of John's friends, you're going to die. This is just sort of the reality of having a friend like John. He, he was born in the 1950s, 1953, May 10th. Um, after John was born, they realized that he had strangled his twin brother in the womb with his own umbilical cord. His father blamed John for this because during the, the birthing process, his mom had died. So ever since then, John's dad had treated John like he was a pariah. Uh, John grew up not having a lot of love and respect in his family, other than with his older sister, Cheryl. Cheryl Constantine treated John pretty much like a little brother. Um, in the late 1950s, John ran into the demon Nurgle for the very first time. Nurgle introduces John to cigarettes. John responds by stealing the entire pack. Very much typical Constantine. Um, in the early 60s, John's dad was arrested. Thomas Constantine is arrested for stealing women's underwear and eating them. Uh, he was sentenced to seven months in prison. John and Cheryl are sent to live with his Aunt Dolly and his Uncle Harry in Northampton. You know, during this time, John hunts around. He finds a fossilized heart, what he believes to be a fossilized heart, throws it away in a junkyard, and... The guy living there doesn't say anything, so John just assumes that he's the guy that killed him. Um, later on, John and Cheryl go to live with their their Uncle Roy and Aunt Jean. Um, you know, John's already, at this early age, having some otherworldly paranormal experiences happening to him. Um, in the mid-60s... Uh, John is terrorized by a bully named Kenny Nelson. Uh, he's pretty much a psychopath. He poked out his sister's eye with a with his own with a knitting needle. Um, 
So John actually produces a seance to call forth Kenny's mom and reveal that Kenny murdered her in her sleep. Kenny ends up being terrified, runs outside, and has his legs crushed by a truck. Uh, the seance was an entire ruse. John got that information from Kenny's sister. We're already starting to see what John's real superpower is. It has very little to do with magic and much more to do with that silver tongue that John has. He is the preeminent con man of the Vertigo and DC universe. Um, he's capable of conning his way out of just about anything. Um, he uh, He's tricked other wizards, uh, the tights and cape crowd, gods, you name it. This is what John does. Um, you know, as he was continues to grow up, uh, he becomes more and more interested in the occult. Um, and his relationship with his father deteriorates more and more and more. In the late 60s, John actually generates a spell to take all of his childhood innocence, put it in a toy house, and bury it in a time capsule. That way John's no longer innocent and he can move forward without feeling a whole lot of emotional pain that children feel. John also gets expelled from school. His dad is not happy with this, um, becomes increasingly abusive. Uh, John responds by binding his spirit, his father's spirit, to a dead cat. Putting it in this dead cat then makes his dad weak and almost kills him. John's able to, to pause the spell, but he's never able to break it. And it pretty much leaves his dad weak and bitter from then on. The reason he, he paused it is that John started to feel guilty not wanting to kill his dad. Um, so he pauses it. Um, later on, John then uh, runs off to London. He meets some some other runaways. He's caught. He's sent back to Liverpool. This becomes a pretty consistent theme in John's young life where he, he continues to run away, get sent back to, to his home. At one point in the... The late, late 60s, 69, John runs into a, a priest who tries to cut off his penis with a razor blade. Um, he manages to get out of that situation. But this is also a really pivotal year for John in the sense that he meets Chaz Chandler. Chaz pretty much ends up being John's only companion that sticks with him through thick and thin. John uses people and Chaz knows he's being used, but he loves John enough to let himself be used. This is a relationship that's going to happen, going to stick around for the the entire series um, with John and Chaz. Um, in the late '70s, John gets really into punk. Uh, he meets uh, he meets Gary Lester and a guy named Bino. So, and they form the band Mucus Membrane. Uh, Chaz becomes their roadie. They record a song called Venus of the Hard Cell in the late, in like 78, they actually produce a video. Um, you can actually find it on YouTube if you look it up. Uh, lots of people have recorded the song Venus of the Hard Cell. And it's actually pretty good. This is really when John's occult life really sort of takes off. It's about 78 still. Uh, they're doing a show at the Electric Banana in Camden, London. 
<clears throat> and John meets uh, Rich Eldridge for the first time. Rich becomes uh, a pivotal part of John's sort of uh, paranormal coming of age story. They also run into uh, a guy named S.W. Manor, who's um, a young billionaire. Uh, he pays Constantine to steal a clock that can tell the future. But John, Les, and Chaz, they end up conning S.W. Manor and taking all of his money. Manor will become a lifelong nemesis of Constantine. They also run into the aftermath of Alex Logue's magic orgy. Um, this is where Astra comes into play. Astra's huge in the story. And basically, the story of Astra is what really shapes John's life from this point forward. Astra was incredibly abused and ignored. Um, she had actually summoned a demon... Uh, to take care of this situation. Um, and uh, the demon Norfolthing and slaughtered everyone there but her. Um, but now she's trapped. So John summons the demon to kill it. The demon is actually Nurgle. Nurgle kills that demon, but grabs Astra and drags her into hell. Um, John will, for the rest of his life, have feelings of sorrow and regret and be plagued by the fact that he sent a little girl to hell. This actually drives John pretty much insane. And he ends up being committed in, in Ravenscar. Um, at the time it was referred to as Ravenscar secure facility, which is basically a um, mental health, uh, mental hospital. And um, so after that, you know, John spends time in and out of Ravenscar for the next few years. Um, John's niece, Gemma, is born. John's sister, Cheryl, she's pretty much fallen out with her with her husband. Um, Cheryl and Gemma go to stay with John. John tells them no, but gives them a lot of money to be able to, you know, to live. At this time, Epiphany grieves. Uh, someone who we'll actually meet later ends up coming back from 2009 to meet a young John. They end up doing what John and a lot of characters do in this. They end up having sex. John actually ends up going a little bit wonky again, ends up getting back into Raven Scar. The 80s start. Um, the, um, he's recuperating with one of his friends. Uh, this is where John meets Kit Ryan. She's another important character that's going to be going on with John's life. The early 80s, around 82, John gets out of Ravenscar again for what he thinks is going to be the last time. Unfortunately, it won't be. He's actually pulled out of Ravenscar. He ends up going back in. He's pulled out of Ravenscar again by a gangster named Harry Cooper who um, wants John to resurrect his dead son. Uh, John's unable to do this, so he actually ends up binding a demon to the body. And, uh, you know, uh, it, this 
this ends up leading to some more chaos that John has to deal with later on down the line. Um, he meets Emma, who's an American artist, and they end up starting to see each other. All of these characters in John's life, um, they go in and out constantly. John and his friend Brendan Finn, they steal the Ace of Winchesters from New York's, uh, from Papa Midnight. Papa Midnight, another character that is going to end up, you know, weaving in and out of John's life pretty much constantly. Pretty important character. Papa's actually a really cool character. Um, he'd be referred to, I, I like the way that they describe him as a voodoo gangster. Um, what we would also think of as maybe a witch doctor. Um, he does a lot of work with like the Legba. It's, he's a pretty cool guy. Um, he actually helped introduce me a little bit to voodoo along, of course, with the nerd that I am. The trolls in World of Warcraft. Voodoo's pretty interesting. Um, so John's life sort of progresses at a normal pace for him. He, you know, runs into to other characters, other other people who just sort of um, go in and out. Um, John ends up um, running into uh, Gant, uh, who. Uh, along with a, a police officer named um, Bentham, they investigate a series of murder, uh, series of murders committed on this island. Uh, they discover that it's the work of a pregnant succubus and manage to trap its children on the island. Like I said earlier, Mike is attacking my arm and biting me because that's what he does. Mike, leave me alone. You know, they, they move... John moves forward. Uh, he runs into Bino again. Um, Bino asks John to help him deal with some ghosts that he has in his house. Um, the ghosts turn out to be a little girl and the guy who murdered her. Um, John lets the girl's ghost go to heaven. Um, but the man's ghost actually grabs the girl and they go to hell. Again, John sending people to hell and and this seems to happen a lot throughout the series um he then uh he ends up um meeting with swamp thing again um they've had a long complicated relationship the two of them um as they fight against the bujaria um the bujaria are a, a they're witches, essentially, from way back in the day. Um, uh, in, in the mid-70s, John runs into Gary Lester again. Gary is a, a, another character that John will have we, sort of weave in and out of his life for a while. Um, Gary's really messed up. Drugs, alcohol. He, he's got a lot of things going on. Um, he realizes that Gary has unleashed a demon uh, on New York. Um, John and Papa Midnight managed to kill the demon and in the process end up killing Gary as well. Um, Gary will continue to stick around even after death as one of the many ghosts that ultimately end up 
haunting John at all times. Um, these ghosts are, are not always seen, but they're always there. They're always harassing him, um, always telling him how horrible he is. In that same year, John ends up being in Iowa uh, on his way to, to go and see Swamp Thing um, in Louisiana. Uh, he actually then runs into the Resurrection Crusade. Um, the Resurrection Crusade and the Damnation Army, um, both of these are uh, big arcs, and um, they're a little deep to try to go into, um, but essentially... Resurrection Crusade is actually run by a demon. If I remember correctly, the Damnation Army is also run by a demon. And they're essentially at, at um, they're, they're essentially trying to gain um, uh, human souls. Um, the, uh, this is also where John runs into Nurgle again, who he'll run into multiple times. Um, in the process, and he ends up defeating him. He then continues on to uh, Louisiana, where he meets with Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing then casts a spell on John, uses his John's body to to help um, him and to help Swampy and his lover uh, Abby Arcane uh, conceive a child. Um, the irony here is that Abby hates John. She absolutely hates John. But John's the only one that would... That Swampy trusts enough to let do this. Even though that trust is tenuous. Um, rightly so. Pretty much any trust with John should be pretty tenuous. Um, I love the guy, but he's he's an untrustworthy fellow. As, as we get into the 90s um another great story arc is that John deals with the family man um family man is um uh, a super creepy character in the sense that he's a serial killer um and family man discovers uh learns about John and uh pretty much just the things that that John does and he ends up actually killing Thomas Constantine, John's dad. He is able to, after John's dad dies, John's able to actually lift the curse, allowing his dad's soul to move on. John also ends up actually shooting and killing the family man. Um, again, not using magic. For a magician, a mage. Again, John doesn't really use a lot of magic. Um... Not in the, the sense of, of other characters, um, you know, uh, Doctor Strange, um, Doctor Fate, who tend to be, uh, Zatanna especially, tend to be much more pure magic magicians. John is definitely more of a con man and a huckster. John actually runs into um, Timothy Hunter in from the uh, Books of Magic series by Neil Gaiman. Uh, he... Uh, he does this along with um, 
the Phantom Stranger, Dr. Occult, and Mr. E. Mr. E will end up becoming another nemesis of of John. Um, Mr. E ends up running, running the Cult of the Cold Flame. The Cult of the Cold Flame will, you know, run into them, uh, definitely later and throughout multiple series uh he keeps they keep coming back john actually uh, runs into his his twin brother that he met in uh that he killed in the womb does this in a in a parallel reality um he his brother's known as the golden boy um he tries to merge with john john's not so hep on that idea forces him out um and for several decades, um, the Golden Boy ends up basically making John's life trash. Um, later on, uh, John ends up being diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer. Um, in his quest to find a cure, he runs into a conflict with uh, the first of the fallen for the very first time. Again, another character he's going to run into multiple times. Um, eventually he, he manages to trick the first, the second, and the third into a deadlock for his soul by selling his soul to all three of them. And, uh, ultimately they end up, um, God actually steps in and, uh, forces them to, to stop because they can't, he can't have a war in hell. So they end up curing John of his cancer so that the conflict doesn't occur. John likes to beat up neo-Nazis. He does this quite a few times. Uh, Constantine is dating, still dating Kit at this time. Um, he ends up putting her in harm's way to, to, to stop a neo-Nazi group. She gets out, but she's super angry about the situation and ends up breaking up with John. John sort of loses his, you know... His way, he ends up becoming homeless and alcoholic for about a year. What changes it is he actually runs into the ghost of a, a dead World War II fighter pilot who sort of helps John back to a more normal life. John then heads off to New York, um, but he becomes the victim of a, a spell by by Papa Midnight. Um John's soul is sent to hell. His body's left vulnerable on earth. Um, but again, John manages to con his way out of hell. He then pulls a switch up on midnight, forcing midnight to jump off the top of the empire state building. Finally, now the first of the fallen manages to break the deadlock for John's soul. And he starts coming after John because he wants his soul. Um, and he kills a bunch of John's friends along the way. John manages to end up defeating the first of the fallen again um, through trickery. Um, the 2000s come along. John is actually sentenced to 35 years in prison for the murder of uh, Richie Lucky Furman. Um Although it's later discovered that Lucky committed suicide, um, so John is is actually uh, freed by Frank Turo. Um, John finds out that Lucky and Lucky's wife were um, were uh, approached by S.W. Manor from way back earlier. 
and basically said that if they if Lucky kills himself and then sets up John for murder, that SW Manor will make sure that Lucky's wife is taken care of basically for the rest of her life. Uh, this goes on for a little bit of while, actually. Um, now Agent Turo and John manage to get back into SW Manor's life. John seduces him. John's cool with seducing both men and women. He's got no issue with that. No qualms, no hang-ups. Uh, it's actually really progressive for a series that came out when it did. John openly bisexual pretty much right from the beginning. John ends up messing with Manor's mind a lot, uh, ultimately forcing Manor to kill himself, but he ends up killing uh, Turo along the way. So more people hanging around John that end up dying. There's the incident with the Shadow Dog, which basically they're, they're, it's a spirit that's moving around um, London, and John and several other people form a task force to try to stop the shadow dog. Um, but later find out that it's actually a force of good and not a force of evil. And it's actually protecting humanity from the beast. John then actually, um, runs into, uh, Rosa Carnes, uh, who's the daughter of Nurgle who actually seeks to avenge her father. Um, she, tricks John into alternate realities and has him impregnate her three separate times. Um, he has three children with her, Adam, Saul, and Maria, who are aged magically and then go after Constantine and uh, his family and stuff like that. Um, ends up actually killing his sister and her husband, Tony. John then goes after Cheryl's soul and her soul ends up going to hell because she was killed by a demon so john goes to goes to hell tries to get her back he he actually goes back with nurgle um to try to stop nurgle's daughter uh rosa Carnus, again because she's trying to gain too much power she's trying to take nurgle's throne during the chaos in hell uh, the first of the fallen ends up killing Rosa Carnus, Saul, Adam, and Nurgle. Uh, he then gives Cheryl a choice and uh, return to a life with John or stay in hell and deal with uh, half of her husband's suffering. She chooses to stay in hell as opposed to going back with John, which in my opinion says a lot um, that hell is better than hanging out with John Constantine. After this event, he ends up stepping away from magic for, for about a year. Um, he then runs into a stranger named Chris Cole, who's looking for some help because um, Chris claims that he's been infected by an empathy virus. Uh, it leads back to, after doing some research, it leads back to Glasgow. Um, Steve and uh, Steve Evans, who's planning on unleashing this um, empathy virus on the world, hoping that it'll bring mass peace um, to the world, uh, an entire age of peace, although it ends up just bringing despair. However, John is able to eventually neutralize this. Um, after this event, he's 
He's kind of done with being manipulated, uh, getting his life back in order. He starts being a card shark. Uh, he ends up winning an entire casino, which ultimately it's the casino is actually the converted uh, Raven Scar secure facility um, that John spent so much time in. Un while exploring underneath it, he actually discovers that there is a monster down there that actually represents all of John's self-loathing and fear. Um, it, he gives it a physical form uh, and kills it, thus getting rid of a lot of emotional baggage. You know, the next few years for John are uh, relatively calm. There's, there's not really a... A lot going on um, until 2009. John meets uh, a doctor named Phoebe Clifton Avery, um, who he ends up falling in love with. Um, she ends up leaving him uh, because John lies to her about uh, all of the uh, supernatural trouble now that ends up that she ends up running into all the time. He, he tries to win her back by running in, by uh, getting a love potion from uh, an alchemist that he knows named uh, Epiphany Greaves. Ends up um, not happening because Phoebe is killed by a demon named Julian. Um, John tries to resurrect Phoebe, but her spirit's just too impure. He then attempts to cleanse her spirit. He flies to Mumbai. Uh, he runs into an Indian magician who summons Phoebe's spirit back into Epiphany's body. But Phoebe tells, tells John that uh, she just wants to stay in the afterlife. He accepts that. And then John and Epiphany return to the UK. John then actually uh, about a year later ends up starting to have an, a, a, a relationship with Epiphany. She'd always been crushing on John since she was younger. Um, but unbeknownst, uh, one of Epiphany's suitors back in the day put a, um, a curse on John that if he should ever fall in love with Epiphany, John actually goes crazy. As John falls in love with her, he ends up going crazy. He ends up almost beating Epiphany to death. He's committed to an insane asylum where John actually slices off his left thumb John then pulls in Shade the Changing Man, who's another really interesting character. If you like John Constantine, you'll like Shade. Shade is very much the anti-hero, really cool character. Shade helps get John out of that. Uh, John goes to propose marriage to Epiphany, but Shade has, has actually become transfixed with Epiphany and ends up kidnapping her. Um, Shade then tries to take her back to his reality to replace his dead girlfriend, Kathy George. When she refuses, he sends her back to Earth in 1979, as we heard about earlier. Um, John of 2000 then, um, John has to deal with Terry Greaves, Epiphany's gangster dad, and, and Nurgle, um, John's eventually able to open up a, a portal to 79, um, where he finds both Epiphany and his younger self. He brings her back to the present. 
Terry Greaves uh, uh, agrees to give his consent if John helps him out with some Afghan gangsters. John and Epiphany do finally end up getting married in 2011. Uh, in 2012, John uh, attempts to help to finally free his sister's soul from hell. Uh, however, before that can happen, Cheryl wants John to find her son that she uh, abandoned when she was a teenager. He finds his, his nephew living in Ireland. Um, this lets Cheryl finally let go. She no longer feels like she deserves to be in hell. So she ends up uh, leaving hell. Um, now we're actually hitting the, the end of the Vertigo stories. Um, in 2013, John had been contacted by the Three Fates, um, who tell him that he'll die in five days. Uh, having lived a good life, John's perfectly fine with that. He's managed to, to get out of a lot. Um, he's no longer going to try to avoid death. Um, when the fifth day finally comes, John is actually murdered in his own home. Lots of people end up attending John's funeral. It's later find out, though, that we later find out, though, that John managed to actually fake his death. John decides that after this, he should keep a, a relatively low profile um, and stay away from from people. He he bids farewell, basically, to to the world, um, along with his nephew, Finn, and his wife, Epiphany. Um, he then ends up running into his niece, Gemma. Um, Gemma then hears about Uncle John's return. Um, she actually tries to kill herself with a poisonous revolver, but John manages to to disarm her um, by taking away the, the final poisonous dart. Gemma then tells John that she just thinks that her life would be so much better without without John because he, he takes up too much of it and um, she's either hating him too much or loving him too much. John suggests that he leaves her be. She fears that John's going to return and pretty much put her life back into misery. John tells her to make her own decision. She points the revolver at him. She closes her eyes and pulls the trigger. But when she opens them again... John is gone. And the last scene in the book, the last panel, is Constantine um, sitting at the Long Journey's End bar, just holding a glass of liquor with a complete vacant look on his face. That's actually the Vertigo, the, you know, a pretty rough outline of the, the Vertigo character. Um, John does exist in the DCU. A um, little bit different. Um, still pretty much the same character. Um except for uh, some minor continuity changes, but that had a lot to do with the new 52. Um, and then a lot of what happened with the, uh, the crisis series um, changed up a lot. Um, but um, later on when uh, DC actually launched rebirth, they pretty much made it so that, that everything that, had happened during the vertigo line was sort of back into place. So essentially they retconned the retcon. John is a really, really neat guy, a really cool character. Um, did my best to do him some justice here. Um, the characters that surround him are also really cool. 
he is along with his own series he is one of the stars of the uh justice league dark series if you like um a little darker stories um a little more um chaos definitely if you like magic the justice league dark is excellent um there's the great storylines going on with that um <clears throat> both the ones with and without john constantine um there's some with wonder woman and those are really cool um you get detective chimp which always amazing um zatanna uh Swamp Thing, Frankenstein, um, ton of other characters, you know. So, just wanted to say again, thank you so much for listening. Um, I appreciate any support that I get as I as I start off doing this. Um, I'm hoping to get better as we go along. Um, thank you very much, and you guys have a wonderful day.